For all of you here, welcome, and for those watching on live streaming, we welcome all of you. We, uh, I want to begin by making an apology to you from Sunday. I uh, got pretty harsh with this boy that was disrupting the service, and he's uh, 16 years old, and he's done that so many times, and so many in the church have tried to calm him down and correct him and, and uh, tell him that he needs to behave and not do all that. He got on my last nerve Sunday morning and I, I got in the flesh. I was angry um, and I apologize for that part of it. I don't apologize for correcting him. What I should have done was just had Jacob and Gary take him out of here. But um, I said more than I probably should have said publicly and uh, so I make an apology to you for that. But uh, do pray for him. I am concerned about his soul. I'm concerned about his uh, ability to understand and, and to receive anything from Scripture. He made a profession the first Sunday he ever came here, but he's raised his hand numerous times since then that he doesn't know the Lord. So we don't know how much he can comprehend and how much he can't. Um, so please do remember that in prayer. And, th and I hope you'll... Uh, receive my apology and, and uh, grant me forgiveness. Doesn't do any good for the Lord to get into flesh in the pulpit. And um, so I apologize tremendously. Romans chapter 12 is where we are tonight. Uh, the introduction here is a reminder of, of what we went over previously. We got started pretty good in chapter 12 last week. Uh, foundation principles of Christian consecration in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the apostle writes here with an appeal to the believers at Rome to turn their lives over to the Lord in a sacrificial way of living. Um, they understood um, animal sacrifices that were offered in the temple. The temple was still um, being used at this time when Paul was writing to Rome. It was only about 10 years later that the Roman empire destroyed it and uh, they could no longer make those sacrifices but these people would be very aware of what that meant so christian consecration dedication commitment um, in our lives daily we need to be dedicated to the lord so that uh, he can guide us and direct us and we can live the will of god and as we live the will of god we can help others to see the Lord. We can help others to see their need of the Lord. And so that's a, a great opportunity for us. It requires a proper foundation to be built upon. And we know Christ is our Savior, is the foundation principle. And then we build thereupon. Paul gives this therefore in verse 1 that connects with the previous Bible doctrine he's been teaching in the previous chapters. Now comes duty. After we learn the 
truths of God's word, we see how we are to put them into practice in our daily lives. Our behavior is a direct result of what we believe. We learn doctrine, the teachings of the Bible, and then if we believe them, it will have an effect in how we live. So what we believe is seen in how we behave. Our presenting ourselves to God is a voluntary service just like the Old Testament offerings and sacrifices that they brought in Leviticus. We looked at uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to read to you from verse 2 through 4 instead of verse 3. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd... Let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. It shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. So the offering is a substitutionary thing on behalf of the party that is offering it. Just like Christ died the substitutionary death on Calvary, for us all, and we are identified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. So they presented the animal at the door of uh, the tabernacle, and it was there to be used uh, for a burnt offering for them. We present our body, which is our whole being, our, our soul, our spirit, our body, which includes our heart and our mind and our will. And um, we dedicate ourselves for service unto God. And that is a living sacrifice. Um, Peter learned after Jesus explained to him and he didn't understand. And then later in repentance, he understood what the Lord had taught him. That it sometimes would be easier to die for the Lord than it is to live for the Lord. We face the temptations of life and the difficulties of life And we often falter because of that. So it's important that we present ourselves unto God, a living sacrifice for his service. And it tells us in uh, verse number two of the negative and positive of consecration. That we're not to shape or pattern our life after the things of this world. Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the Word of God. The pattern ourselves after Christ, which is God's will for us. If you look back at Romans 8 and verse 28 and 29, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the Lord's plan for believers who are saved is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be shaped or patterned or molded after the image of Christ, to be more like him. So the effect of consecration is for us to prove the will of God. And proving it means to make it visible, to make it applicable, 
that people can understand God's will for their lives. Sometimes a young person surrenders their life to some form of service for God. They go to a Bible college. They may be training for the mission field. They may be training for the ministry. They may just not be sure what they're training for. They just want to serve God, and so they're going to get a better Bible education. And in that sense, it can be difficult to discern the Lord's specific will for your life. You don't have to know ahead of time. You have to know when you start to serve God. And quite often you start serving God in faith and God opens doors that you know you're on the right path and he closes doors so that you will not go on the wrong path. It's impossible for us to do what the Lord Jesus has the power to do and has done for us to imitate him and be like him. But we recognize that Christ has taken up his abode within us. By his spirit, he lives within us and he wants to work through us to accomplish his will. So what is done is not for us to look upon ourself as great accomplishments, but to look upon God who has made the accomplish using sinners who've been saved by the grace of God and that we ourselves are no more than the dust of the ground that God has created man from. But because of God's Spirit working through us, great things can be accomplished that will bring honor and glory to God and God will use us as trophies of grace. Now, if we yield to the Holy Spirit, he produces his fruit through us. Let's look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as a reminder. Galatians 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the walking in the spirit and not in the flesh allows God's spirit to work through us to produce fruit. These characteristics of a Christian, love, joy, and peace, the unsaved world don't have those. The Holy Spirit doesn't produce fruit through unbelievers. One must know Christ as Savior for this to take place. And it helps us to keep humility, recognizing it is God who receives the praise, honor, and glory for everything that is accomplished. Now turn back with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, and verse 7 through 10. We know the church is a living organism, not just an organization. Paul is talking with them about the unity of the body of believers. We're to be aware God is using our diversity to accomplish more. And he wants us to work together in harmony as the church, which is just like our body works together, even with all these different members that have different functions. And the church is the same with many members with different functions, but working together for the cause of Christ. Chapter 4 of 1 Peter and verse 7, 
But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So Paul and Peter are both talking about the emphasis of gifts and talking about using them for God's glory. Let's look back at, um, at Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Dissimulation means the same thing as hypocrisy. So both of these men are talking about the spiritual gifts that God has given and how he wants us to use them. I like where Peter said we're to be good stewards of the grace of God. What God has given us is not of our own making, and we are not in absolute control of it. It is God leading us and guiding us and directing us and teaching us through his word and influencing us through fellow believers. And so we are to manage what God has given us as good stewards and use it for God's honor and glory. The, uh, uh, Peter said to be good stewards of the grace of God. In um, Romans 12, 6, also in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, we have another mention. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? What hast thou that thou didst not receive? If thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? I've told people before you see a beautiful girl and people thank her for her beauty and talk about how beautiful she is. You don't have to thank her. Thank her mom and daddy. She didn't do anything to be beautiful. She was born that way, you know. And we've received all that we have that is functionable for God from the Lord. So we don't deserve praise and glory for it. God deserves the praise and glory for it. Now he mentions these gifts. He mentions prophecy. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3, Scripture says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So this is the emphasis of speaking forth the Word of God. The Old Testament prophets heard from the Lord 
and gave the message from direct revelation that they received and gave the message to the people. The priest received the offering from the people and then offered it unto God on their behalf. But to prophecy in our day with the completed Word of God is simply to preach the Word of God or to share the Bible and teach the Bible in certain ways. In uh, 1 Peter 4, 11, I didn't read that when I was there. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So these gifts, I've, I've read and have looked up and certain things you can refer to as, as gifts from God. Maybe more than this number, but there's at least 19 specific gifts from the Lord. Apostolic gifts were the sign gifts that God gave to the apostles. They worked miracles. They miraculously went from one people to another people without learning the language of the people and could miraculously speak in another language so the people would understand the word of God. They had uh, power to heal. They had uh, direct revelation from the Lord as they wrote the Bible and as they told the people what God's word was. They had uh, biblical knowledge and wisdom that the average person would not have. And so these were all apostolic gifts that once the apostles died off, once the Bible was complete, these do not continue. We don't have apostles today. We don't have prophets as they did even in the New Testament era up to a time when the Bible was complete. And so these particular gifts are not in, in vogue today. But there are many gifts that are. Gifts of helps, gifts of hospitality, gifts of giving, Gifts of government, gifts of mercy, gifts of faith, gifts of discernment, gifts of celibacy. Paul said it was a gift that he was celibate, that he did not marry and didn't have to marry. But he said, if you don't have that same gift, then, then you need to marry. Charity, which is love, is a gift. To have a pastor to the church is a gift to the church, a teacher evangelists, these are gifts, Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says that God gave to the church to uh, edify the believers, to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we looked at prophecy, now ministry from back in Romans chapter 12. Ministry. A minister is a servant of God. The same word for minister is the same word used for deacon. And it means one who serves. One who is in service to others for the Lord. In Acts 6, it was used of the first deacons that were selected from among the people. And they were to serve the Lord. They were to be men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And they were to serve the widows and help with the work of the ministry so that the apostles could devote their time to the Word, the teaching and the preaching and the ministering through the Word of God. 
There's a multitude of ways to serve the Lord in the church, and there are many needs of the church that can be met by faithful workers, and ministry can expand more if we have more people who serve. And serving for God's sake is an excellent thing that is a blessing to those who have callings to do specific works in the church for God. Teaching, to set forth the fundamental truths of Scripture and to motivate believers to practice so that it edifies the body, builds up the believers in the faith. Teaching doctrine, what the Bible teaches about specific subjects. Romans is filled with the doctrinal teachings for the New Testament church. Exhortation, to motivate with truth, to encourage, to duty. Exhortation may include pleading, as Paul was pleading with them, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Encouraging, warning, strengthening. Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside and expounded the word of God to him more completely. He was fiery in his speaking ability. He was an orator. He could turn people to to God, but he did not have the full understanding that uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and others had. And so he was teachable. And Aquila and Priscilla were able to give exhortation to him. The gift of giving. Giving is always a need for ministry. It will expand the work of God. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. God allows some to be extremely generous with what they have. Often uh, thinking about others who have needs more than thinking about themselves. I remember one time a, a man, a story stuck in my head. I've, I've remembered it many times. I've probably used it twice in the church over the years. But a man had just gotten him a brand new London fog coat. He was a pastor. And he, he had an old London fog coat he'd worn for years and years and years. He hung it in the, in the closet and he got a brand new one. And he'd only worn it about one time. And he put it in the closet and this guy came by the house, was a homeless kind of fella, and he was cold, and he was, he was standing around talking to him. He was on the roof nailing on shingles. And he told his wife, said, honey, go in the house and get that London fog coat and give it to him. She went in and got the new one and brought it out and gave it to him. And at first he thought, oh, no. And then he said, no, you gave him the right one after all. He made a sacrifice. He gave something that meant something to him. That was a gift of giving to do that. And that we would give something that made it sacrificial as unto the Lord in the same way the Lord has given unto us. It takes a lot of money to build church buildings and to send missionaries to the foreign field to furnish what the church needs. Um, And giving is always to be done without show, without publicity. Jesus taught, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, or is it the left hand know what the right hand is doing? It's one of them, one way or the other. But it's, uh, in other words, we're giving without even showing it to ourselves, in the sense of giving toward needs of others. Ruling with diligence. 
The Bible uses the name bishop to describe a pastor. That is defined as an overseer. God has given pastors oversight of the church, a responsibility in ruling. And as a pastor, he must rule his own house well before he can be placed in the position to rule in the church. So his testimony must be good, and he has a, a responsibility in that sense to guide the direction and the priorities of the church, to keep out false teachers and things of that nature, to show mercy. Mercy is to be shown with cheerfulness. In Galatians 6 and verse 1 and 2, if you want to look there, Galatians 6, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So helping others in showing mercy to them because there is a need in their life. Care of widows, those that have needs, the sick and aging who we visit and encourage and help and do what we can. Uh, these are acts of mercy that we show. You can probably think of someone who showed mercy to you in a time of need. And God help us all to return that to others who have that need. We may not have the opportunity to show mercy back to somebody who showed mercy to us, but we certainly will have many opportunities to show mercy to someone else in the same way we had someone show mercy to us. Now back in uh, 1 Peter, we are to all see we have of God His grace and it's given us to be good stewards. I was a steward one time for, I don't know how long, a week, 10 days, something like that, on the Camp Pendleton Marine Base. I was working, instead of having KP, kitchen patrol or kitchen police, instead of doing that, I was a steward. They gave me a key to a room, and I'd unload a tractor trailer of supplies in that room and put it in all the shelves. And then I'd go in at 4.30 in the morning and the cooks would come in and then they'd come to me at the room and it had a half door. And they would say, I need this. I need 25 pounds of flour. I need 50 pounds of sugar. I need this and that. And I'd go get it and I'd put it up on the half door shelf there and they'd sign in the book what they got. Those things weren't mine. They were entrusted to me though and I was to give them out and keep count of them and, and be over them so they didn't get lost and didn't get misused. And God has given us all the abilities that we have and we're to be good stewards with what God has entrusted us with. We're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ for how we've served the Lord and the stewardship of how we've um, given back to God what God has given to us. And let our love be without hypocrisy or pretense. 
book of Romans has got some great things. I hope we all pick up something as we're going through this that can help us in our daily life. Thank you for being here tonight. Father, we love you. We offer you our praise. We offer you our thanks. We recognize immediately you have protected us and provided for us. And we pray for others who have needs. We pray that you'll use the church to minister to those as we should and to be a help to others. Bless your people as they travel home tonight with your protection and safety. Help us to be good witnesses for you this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.